Hello and welcome to Wild Sessions. I'm Henrietta Norton, a parent, nutritional practitioner, author and founder of Wild Nutrition. In this series, I'll be sitting down with some excellent professionals who will share their depth of knowledge and back it all up with practical advice. I'll also be sharing real-life experiences from women and men who have navigated the twists and turns of health at every life stage. So for this month, we have a really lovely conversation with Alice Living. Alice is a profound woman of influence on her social channels and is therefore in a great position to be able to share her very refreshing honesty and professional experience about what it means to be healthy. Hi, my name is Alice Living. I'm a personal trainer and women's health columnist. And today I'm going to be taking you through a hit workout from my 28-day kickstart program with Women's Health. I have the pleasure of talking to the lovely Alice Living. Your background is as a personal trainer, Mm -hmm. but you've done many things, got an incredibly popular blog and Instagram following, so helping thousands of women and men and young people with lifestyle and particularly exercise support. But you're also an author. Yeah, I am, yeah. I've written three books. What I really love about your work, Alice, and I imagine really comes through with the books, is this very much holistic joined up approach to exercise and well-being and I'd love to know a little bit more about how you formed that ethos and how you came to do what you do in the style that you do it. Yeah absolutely my ethos now is probably very different to the one that I started out with and I think naturally when most people start like a health journey where they end up isn't always necessarily where they start and that's the whole part of the process isn't it is that you learn as you go along and you make mistakes and you learn from those and then you're able to do things differently so I think that it wasn't as though I started this and got it right first time I really don't think I did I started posting on Instagram when I was at college I trained as a dancer and went to a place called Bird College and my dream was to go into musicals and be in the West End and whilst I was at college I very much recognized the importance of physical health, the importance of eating well and eating well to support my training. I was doing up to like eight hours of dancing a day. So it was very intense. And so I started to try and think a little bit more about that and take into account, you know, my first year of uni, I had eaten like a typical student and had pizza every night and lived off Diet Coke and chocolate and all that stuff, which was fine. But when it came to you have when you don't know. (laughs) Oh, of course. And like, In some ways, that was great that I did that. But come the second year, it was really eye-opening that this career was ahead of me and I wanted to be successful. And so I knew that I kind of had to do something to really get myself to a place where I was able to sustain all the rehearsals that I was doing, all the hours of dancing. So I started going to the gym. Um, Weight training was becoming quite popular then. And particularly, you know, it was the time of, like, obviously, you know, Joe Wicks, but there's another person called Kayla Itzines and that kind of crowd. And it was sort of starting to be quite popular for women to lift weights and to weight train. So I started doing that and changing my diet. And where I started was very different to where I am now. So it was very restrictive. It was very kind of protein and vegetables and not very many carbs and really sort of, trying to be as small as possible in my attempt with everything that I was doing. So with the exercise and with the diet. And And Alice, was that all with the focus as well of it supporting the, the physical end goal? So in terms of supporting, as you say, aesthetically how you might look, but also the physical aspect of having energy and stamina rather than necessarily the psychological support that eating well and living well can bring? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It was 
if you asked me then, I would have said I'm doing this for performance reasons. But mm. actually, deep down, was I actually doing it for performance reasons? No, I wasn't. <laughs> so I think it was a bit twofold. But in my head, I genuinely thought it was. And I was like, if I do these things, and naturally, my body changed a lot. And I got loads of compliments. And people were telling me I look amazing. And suddenly, I was getting the lead part in my second year musical. And all these things started to happen for me. And so my brain went, well, I've changed my body. And I'm in a really small body now. And I have a six pack. And I look a certain way my success must be because I've changed how I look and so cue you know a couple of years of really disordered eating and not realizing maybe that that was what I was doing you know absolutely now with hindsight I'm able to look back and be like oh my god I can't believe I ever did that but at the time I thought I was the picture of health <laughs> so it's interesting how we learn like I said when we go through these journeys and these these um, experiences but yeah where I am now is having gone through that and been able to reflect and learn that actually that's probably not the best way to do things and and actually coming to a, a place of balance and living my life and actually having enjoyment with things like food and with exercise uh, rather than just seeing them as things that are there to keep me in a very small body is where I'm at now. And what I would say is certainly from somebody who has followed your work, I think that your experience, and it sounds like it would have had, I mean, I'm sure it didn't happen overnight because, you know, there's a lot that needs to be experienced and processed psychologically and mentally when we move from a disordered eating pattern into a more balanced eating pattern. But I think what your experience can bring is a huge amount of reality and honesty to those that you are talking to on your platform. And I think that's what I really love about your ethos is, is exactly that. Can you share with us what that tipping point was for you when you realised actually, because, you know, we are fed in our culture and in our environment a lot of information that would make us think that that more aesthetic approach was important mm. what for you was it what was the tipping point that made you realize actually this is unsustainable for me and it's not the path that I want to continue down I'd say there are a number of things I would say there wasn't a particular catalyst I think it was a number of things that happened I would say the first thing was losing my period and not having a, a regular cycle for a few months you know the first month went by and I was like nothing to worry about carry on second month went by still nothing to worry about and a few months went by and it was like I just sort of stopped thinking about it and it got to the point where I was I think I was sort of 25 and I was starting to think about my fertility about getting older and I just thought actually I don't think this is normal I think I need to go and see someone and accusing a number of different specialists and eventually actually it was my GP who was amazing and I still credit her with this he was like Alice you're underweight. The reason why you're not having a period is because you need to eat more. Uh, and she really had a really good conversation. I mean, it wasn't as brutal as that, but it, but it was um, <laughs> it was what I needed to hear because no one had actually said that to me before. You know, I'd been diagnosed with PCOS and I'd been told I had this and told I had that. And no one ever actually said, well, hang on a second, how much exercise are you doing? And what's your body fat percentage? And are those two things connected? And is that why you're not having a period? So that was the first thing. The second thing was, you know, I've been with my partner for five years and he has a very like full social life. And I started, you know, when we got together, I'd gone from like being very selfish and being able to be like, 
you know, going to the gym whenever I wanted and filling all my time with exercise and with working and with, you know, I was, I wasn't with anyone else. So I could eat whatever I wanted when I was at home and it was very controlled. You know, suddenly when someone else is in your life and you're seeing them go out for drinks with friends and go out for dinners and go out for this and that. And I was like, I want that, you know, I've lived such a controlled and measured life. And actually like these things are the things that actually bring me joy. And like, do I really want to hold myself back? from doing those things just so that I can stay in a smaller body will know. So it's kind of a number of things, I think as well, just getting a bit older and realizing that you can't sustain the level of exercise and the diet that you could maybe, even when I was 21, when I was 25, you know, I can't do what I did then now. Your body changed and it needs different things as you get older. And, and now as a trainer, I know that inside out, but it was a number of things and it was a slow and gradual process, but definitely one that helped me to get to a much, much better place. Yeah, and it sounds like it. It seems like it was also a very liberating process of being able to let go of that control to a degree. I think liberating, but also like massively challenging because when you're in a body that everyone tells you is amazing Mm. and you're wearing size six, size eight clothes, and then suddenly those don't fit you anymore and you're actually, you're changing shape and you're having to deal with all of those changes. Like that's a very complex process to go through and one that I still find difficult at times. I was only speaking this week about how just because I'm in a different body now to the one I was in then, it doesn't mean that I've got it nailed. You know, I still have days where I feel really challenged by body image, by confidence, by my changing shape, clothes not fitting, all that stuff. Like that still bothers me, not as much as it used to, but it does still come and go. And I think it's important never to feel that you can sort of arrive at a place where you're like, I just love myself. You know, I'm I'm definitely not there. I'm I'm not where I was, but I'm also not at that place of I just don't care what anyone thinks. I love myself. I don't know if that's necessarily realistic for a lot of women. I think we have to deal with a changing body constantly, even just month to month as you go through your cycle and it's like if you can't learn to just be kind to yourself and accept who you are in the changing shape and whatever that you are, you're in a bad place, but also I'm not expecting myself to get to like feeling 10 out of 10 every day because I also don't think that's realistic. Absolutely. And there lies the complexity of being a human being. And I think having that deep, deep sense of peace about who you are and, and I mean that on a physical and on a much wider level actually Mm. can be a lifetime's work for many. And we now know, you know, there is no mind and body. We are one and everything that we are thinking and feeling is reflected in, in our body as well. So we can wake up one day and feel very aligned and other times not feeling scratchy and and uncomfortable in your own skin. And and that Mm. is the beauty and complexity of being human. Mm. What I think is great is that there are more people beginning to talk more honestly about that as well, Mm. of which I would include you in that. And so thank you for all of that incredible honesty just then. So the place that you come to now, how would you describe balance for you now in your life? If I'm honest, I would describe it as not thinking too much about it, particularly when the word balance came around. It was like people almost wanted to know exactly what that formula was. And I don't think you can package up balance because I think balance will look different to everyone. But for me personally, it's actually thinking a lot less about every meal and every workout, every aspect of health. I think it's more trying to find the enjoyment in the things that bring good health. I would never say that exercise isn't important and eating well isn't important. Like those things do matter to me. And I really do believe that they should make up 
a large part of our lives, but I don't think they're things that we should obsess over. I think there's things that will come and go in terms of how important they are to us at different times of our lives. So for me, balance is very much eating foods that I enjoy, both nutritious and a little bit less nutritious, (laughs) Um, seeking to move my body for how it makes me feel, i.e. the mental health benefits, i.e. it makes me feel empowered and strong and it makes me feel energized, you know, all the positive things that exercise does rather than just seeing it as, oh my God, I've eaten a cake, so therefore I need to go to the gym and burn it off. Like that's that's a mindset that I will no longer ever subscribe to. Things like sleep, you know, making time for things that I know make me feel good. Sleep is super important to me. I am ritualistic in terms of when I go to bed like it's <laughs> my boyfriend too, will, will agree but for me it's like it's one of those things that I know if my sleep is on point everything else will be a little bit better mm-hmm. um you know simple things like walking every day meditation listening to podcasts socializing is a huge part of what balance looks like to me I think engaging with other people if COVID's taught me anything it's that I love connection human connection Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I need that to make me feel good so I think for a long long time health and balance and all of these words have been minimized to such a black and white things that people want the answer they want the formula and I sort of say well it's not that simple and it's not that black and white it's very complex it's very nuanced and it will look different to everyone and for me I think mine is always fluctuating as well Things are more of a priority, things are less of a priority, depending on where I am in my life and my year and and whatever. So, yeah, I think balance is about being chill with all of that and thinking about it a lot less than I used to. Yeah, I mean, everything that you've said completely resonates with what I feel as well. I think that it is a very individual sense of balance and it Mm. can balance changes from day to day. And ultimately... I think the only compass that you have is taking the time to really connect in and work out what it is that your body needs in that moment, in that day. And sometimes that will be more rest. Sometimes that will be more connection with others. And as soon as you can start to trust that internal connection that little bit more. Yeah, completely agree. And don't you think that it's so interesting how... We're often going outside for the answers. We're looking Absolutely. to like a nutritionist, a dietitian, a personal trainer. Like these people matter. I'm not saying they don't. But also like there's something about trusting the voice within you and the kind of internal connection, exactly as you just said, of like, am I hungry? You know, even mm. as simple as that, rather than getting a diet plan from someone, just asking yourself, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I tired? What do I need right now? Asking yourself those questions is often actually more empowering than always going outside for the answers those roles and I'm a personal trainer so I, I really believe they have a place as do all other healthcare practitioners like I think we all have a place but I think in collaboration with someone actually starting to connect with themselves a little bit more I think that's that's the best place for someone to get to it's one of the founding principles for wild as well for wild nutrition when I started it was all very much about how, yes, creating a product that was going to give people the opportunity to experience physical balance, but actually Mm. it's as much as that is giving the advice and support through knowledge so that people felt empowered to understand themselves a little bit more. Yeah. And the encouragement to listen to themselves as well, because Mm. I think think there is that balance between, as you say, it's not too much reliance on the external guru, because actually you are your best doctor. You know yourself better than anybody. You were born with yourself. So, you know, anybody outside of that, all they can do is they can share their experience, their Mm -hmm. wisdom Mm -hmm. for you to then 
engage with and and utilize mm. in the way that works for you it's all mm-hmm. incredibly individual so yeah i fully agree with everything that you've said The way you've come to sounds like a really beautiful place of balance between mind, body and soul. Mm. Does that align with where the industry is now? How have you seen the industry change in the way that your personal experience has changed? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And definitely, I think the industry has shifted a lot. You know, when I think back to even just five years ago, the industry, the fitness industry, the health and wellness space was so different to where it is now. And the changes have been almost entirely positive. People are now talking about balance, talking about uh, mental well-being, talking about less exercise actually and more rest and the importance of rest and that kind of no days off mentality is very much in the past. We're so much more aware now of what is good for us and also that like I said earlier it's not just as simple as the food we eat and the exercise we do Mm. to get healthy you know the equation is much more complex than that so I think people are really starting to realize that and also even just from like a visual perspective the bodies the magazine covers the articles in the magazines and online everything shifted and everything seems to be much more diverse varied balanced science-led as well you know evidence-based which I think is great so yeah I've definitely seen a big shift and it you know like I said it's one that I feel is almost entirely positive I still think we have further to go I think there are still things that lag in the past and are quite outdated but I think that on the whole I feel that the industry is moving in a really great direction and I feel really positive about the changes that I've seen thus far. How do you feel that that has been compounded by the last 12, 18 months experience that we've had globally, has there been a greater call to action for supporting mental health Mm. and physical wellness as as one? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if anything, I think the the COVID pandemic has, has accelerated the need for us to be talking about the importance of mental wellbeing and that it's not just about the body that we exist in for so long everything's been about the aesthetic it's how we look it's what clothes size we are it's you know how much exercise we do and actually what I think the pandemic has done for us is actually to say well hang on a second if this up here I'm pointing to my head sorry I realize it's a po- <laughs> podcast if, if your she brain to head. <laughs> yeah, if your brain isn't in a good space if your head isn't in a good space then the body can't follow you know like yeah. both of them have to be working in in harmony and I think that COVID has made people realize that far more than ever before. You are what you think and I think one of the interesting things we could do a whole podcast on actually mm. is how is how we speak to ourselves internally you know the language that we oh, use yeah. about striving reaching must you know drive mm. what I feel and see around me is that there are many people Mm. who have been living with that internal dialogue mm-hmm. for years and years and years. And then it's almost like these last 12, 18 months has pulled the rug from under them. And now it's almost like a sense of kind of universal burnout where actually strive, push, drive, reach. That language and that internal dialogue that we might have with ourselves doesn't serve us anymore. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. it's as you alluded to earlier, it's 
it's counterbalancing that. I'm challenging ourselves is is really important. A little mm. bit of stress is really important and good and healthy for us. Mm. But it's always making sure that that is counterbalanced with rest and mm. nourishment and in whatever guise that might be on, on whatever Completely. level that might be, whether that's nutritionally or rest in terms of walking in nature or, or whatever it might be for you. But it is always making sure that that is counterbalanced. I also think that it's it's really, I completely agree with everything you said, but I also think it's made people realise that work is not life. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, suddenly we've all stepped away from the office or stepped away from our working environment. If I think back to my life prior to COVID, I was living at like 110 miles an hour. Mm. And it was like one thing to the next, the next, the next, because mm. it was just filling myself with being as busy as possible. Mm. Uh, and when COVID happened and it was suddenly like, stay at home, like forced rest, I think people really realize that, hang on a second, like that level of pace that I had been living at is no longer sustainable after Mm -hmm. COVID. And I think there are so many people who are saying that. Uh, And I agree with you in terms of this collective burnout that I think people are experiencing. I think it's both the emotional trauma of the last two years that I think none of us have really come to understand how much the last few years have affected people you know that constant state of low level anxiety is horrible for all of us to experience no matter how privileged or unprivileged you are we all experienced it in some capacity but also that idea of the pace in which we lived in prior to covid was one that i think most people now would agree was pretty unsustainable um and that just learning to to pull back a bit and to have a bit more of a work-life balance to take time for yourself to rest all these things are, are way more important than ever before Absolutely. And I think actually that the amount of time that we've been exposed to that as well has been long Mm. enough for us to really more deeply search into what habits can I recreate for myself that's going to give me a more sustainable way of of living. We've just Mm. launched a vegan protein powder with superfoods in them. And the formulation was created specifically for this. And I have to be Mm. honest, I I put myself in as the consumer, as somebody who's taking the product. You Mm. have to. So it's very much led from, okay, well, you know, I feel I feel that there is a really deep need for that re-nourishment, actually, and that extra Mm. support, because I think and I say this speaking as a woman, but we spend a lot of time having other people's backs. Mm. And actually, the last 12 to 18 months has made a lot of people acutely aware of actually they're low on their own resources. Mm. And actually, it's about really giving the body the nourishment that it needs to be able to meet what the daily demands are, because mm. quite often there's a really big gap and mm. there hasn't been a greater opportunity to really hold up the mirror and mm-hmm. and see that than what we've all been exposed to in this last 12 to 18 months. So mm. bearing that in mind with being able to have that sort of slightly kind of inward looking, well, how can I change my life? What would you say would be your best tips on sustainable habits that we can because obviously we're recording this in December and Mm. we will be putting this live in January and it's a time where conversations are about the new year new you the be slimmer be better be different and actually can we please please change that rhetoric yeah (laughs) and what what is it it's so outdated (laughs) and and actually there's nothing wrong with Mm. who you are and it's about what are the balanced sustainable habits that we can create for ourselves Mm. that are going to give us a sense of balance in our life yeah it's a really good question I think that the first thing that I would say and this is with my personal trainer hat on 
is to rethink your thoughts around exercise, basically. I think for so long, people have seen exercise as they've got to be dripping with sweat. They've got to be working incredibly hard. It's got to be in a dark room with blaring music or, you know, in a gym, <laughs> lifting heavy weights. Being shouted at. Yeah, being shouted <laughs> at. Oh, God, yeah, that. I think that we're really learning that that is not all the exercises. It's part of it, for sure. You know, there are some people who love that sort of stuff. But if we're really wanting people to develop a meaningful and long-term relationship with exercise, i.e. one that is sustainable, I think a lot of people need to rethink what they previously thought about exercise. I'll take myself, for example, at school, I was never sporty. I hated PE. I was never on any sports teams. And so when I was growing up, it was like, well, sport's not really my thing. That is not true. There is something out there for everyone, even if it is as simple as walking. That is movement. And actually, there's so many studies to support the benefit of walking in terms of its correlation to our physical health. So walking is great. But I think when we step back a little bit and start to understand, okay, exercise could be so many different things. It could be walking, running, cycling, swimming, yoga, Pilates, climbing, hiking, all of these different things there's got to be something in there that someone would enjoy. So rather than that punishing mindset of, oh, I've got to be doing this or got to be going to this class that I hate, but I've got to do it, try and see it as a playful thing, as something that you're like, I'm going to look forward to doing some form of movement. I can almost guarantee that I would say 99% of people even if they're not really feeling it when they start doing some form of movement, by the end of it, they will feel even just a little bit better. Mentally, physically, you will. It's not just me thinking that. It's also the boost of endorphins, the stimulation of your lymphatic system. All these things are you know, generated by exercise. And so I almost just want to encourage people to stop seeing exercise as something that they have to do and starting to see it in a more fun and engaging way. What can I do that's going to move my body in a way that I enjoy? Try lots of different things, experience maybe different classes or different methods of moving and see if there's something that actually you do enjoy that you end and go, that wasn't that bad. It doesn't have to be dripping with sweat. In fact, it really doesn't need to be that at all. It can be, like I said, as simple as just doing a bit of yoga or doing some walking, but really starting to rethink your relationship with exercise is where I would say that that kind of long-term sustainable approach comes in and then outside of exercise I would say that you know when it comes to like long-term meaningful changes it's really got to come from again going back to what we were saying about that internal voice asking yourself what you need if you're able to step back from your life and say like what are the areas that might need a little bit of tweaking previously I know that mine has definitely been okay I could have a better bedtime routine that I'm not on my phone as much before bed I go to sleep at a certain time I get up at a certain time you know making that change was massive for me and I felt so much better as a result of just changing that I know things like my diet for a long time was very very basic and one of the things that I challenged myself to do was just have a bit more variety in each of my meals different vegetables different grains you know trying to have a mixture of colors that's not counting calories or worrying about food it's just actually what more can I get onto my plate that's got loads of diversity because that's not only good for myself it's good for my gut health it's good for you know just generally trying to get as many nutrients into your body so that was another thing if you shift the mindset into a more positive way there's actually a way in which you can make these changes without it feeling as though oh it's January and I'm going to have to change x y and z and I'm going to feel awful and it's only going to last a month but here we go I think that I'm always about the long-term things, the long-term strategies, the things that are going to last for the next 10 years. With my app, for example, I'm not doing anything different in January because I think that everything I've been doing thus far is exactly how you should carry on doing things 
to have long-term results. to build on it, yes. Yeah, absolutely. so I think that it's really important that people don't make these kind of grand gestures of changes of trying to overhaul their diet in January because nine times out of ten I'd go back in a month's time and that person would have not kept up with whatever it is that they tried to change the success comes in those small tweaks tiny tiny things you know what maybe one change every week in January one little change here little change there that's where long-term success lies I think that's such a brilliant point because that's actually evidence-based as well. There's evidence back. Mm. There's now been a body of research that's looked at. It's actually the power of consistent small things or small Mm. things done consistently that really are the force of change. It's not, as you say, the big things necessarily. Mm. Um, They may become big things. They may end up with a significant shift, but actually it's engaging in those very small things, which... I think we're so maybe culturally sort of hoodwinked into thinking of being very goal orientated and that big Mm. kind of shining prize at the Mm -hmm. end. And, you know, it's good to have that, but it's Mm. also really, really important to go upstream and look at the small wins that you can be doing all the time. I think we're probably quite aligned in our philosophies here about it's not about deprivation it's always about what can you build on what can you Mm. add what can you add in that will be more nourishing more Mm. beneficial and everything that you've said the the word that comes to mind is flexibility really is Mm. moving away from a more rigid mindset a more Mm. rigid way of doing things and actually allowing more flexibility and I know you mentioned that you've got your app. I'd love to share with our listeners a little bit more about what your app is. Yeah, And of it's course. called Give Me Strength, isn't it? Which I of love course. as well. Mm. Yeah, it is. So I launched it in June. It's been amazing. So it's predominantly a fitness app. So it has different programs for whether you train at the gym or at home, depending on your goals as well. And then it also has me coaching you in real time. So we have over six months of real time workout. So you can do them along at home with me or at the gym. And all of it is focused around strength training. So something that I am very passionate about is that whilst I believe that people should always, you know, exercise in a way that makes them feel good and that they enjoy, I do think that some form of resistance training is really beneficial, particularly Mm -hmm. for women and particularly as we get older. Mm -hmm. Um, So just strengthening our musculoskeletal system, our bone density, all these things really matter. So strength training is, is important. And so the issue that I had prior to creating the app was that I think the barrier to entry for strength training can sometimes be a little bit higher. It's not the same as just lacing up your trainers and going for a run. It's like, you're not quite sure what to do, what dumbbells to lift, what exercises to do. So it was really about, I wanted to take anyone that joined the app sort of under my wing. And as if I was doing a session with them at third space where I see clients one-to-one and coach them through sessions each week. So I always say that like at third space, I'm 85 pounds an hour for a one hour session on my app. You get me five times a week for 16.99. So it is a, it bargain. is a real bargain. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, I'm there, I'm there coaching all the exercises with you, uh, talking to you about form, about the, you know, rep sets, all that sort of stuff. So you kind of don't have to think about what you're doing. It kind of gives you the whole program and we work in four month challenges. So to keep it interesting we do a four week block of training and then it changes every four weeks so it keeps it interesting it keeps our bodies getting stronger and progressing and on top of that we have over 100 actually almost 200 now different recipes uh we have educational content from various different blog contributors everyone from nutritionists dietitians sleep experts uh who else have we got doctors pts we've got a whole mix of stuff on there so it's yeah it's really interesting so yeah it's been amazing and i'm and i'm so glad that i launched it 
Oh, fantastic. Because I think that one of the things that people can listen to us chatting away and saying, you know, get more colour and get more diversity into your diet and do all these things, but actually doing that and knowing how to implement those and, mm. and practical, you know, just simple things like easy recipes that they can start to engage in mm. can be the, the gap and mm. can stop it actually being implemented. So yeah. that's, I know, um, offering a lot of people support and it sounds great. So, Alice, it's been such a, a lovely conversation, a really inspiring conversation. My gosh, you're an incredibly inspiring woman to talk to. And <laughs> so much wisdom as a, an, a woman that is older than you, a comparatively young woman, a huge <laughs> amount of wisdom, which I think must come from the very honest experience that you spoke of at the beginning. And, and I think that just makes it a very powerful position for you to be a positive influence to other people. Thank um, you. And I would just say, just to kind of summarise on the key things that I think you've given so many nuggets of gold and the things that really stand out for me are that you're saying, you know, how important how you think is to your well-being. So how mm. you think about yourself, how you how you approach movement, exercise, mm. nutrition, whatever it might be, is, is engaging in it in a positive, nourishing way rather than a mm. deprivation, punishing way. I think that's so powerful. And how important movement is in, in any guise. So just getting some movement in every day and the, and the mm. power that that can bring mm. to health. And having within that, I guess, also having that flexibility over rigidity in, in way of thinking, but also in the body. You know, they say that certainly in terms of yoga, it's a flexible body brings a flexible mind. So mm. um, I love that. And then it, importantly, which I think cuts across everything, is listening to your inner voice, listening to mm. you, connecting to you and responding accordingly to what your body and mind need at, mm. that, at that point. Yeah. Just so many things that you've shared with us and I'm, I'm so grateful for the conversation that we've had and I wish you all the best with, with everything, with Give Me Strength, with everything <laughs> that you're you. doing and continue to do such a <laughs> cracking job. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for such a great interview. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed that conversation. Please do let us know what you thought. Rate us on iTunes, follow us, share, and spread the word with others. This has been a Wild Nutrition Podcast with Henrietta Norton. It's produced by Phil Bodger. Special thanks to Nina Humphreys, who composed our theme tune, and everyone at Wild Nutrition for their support. You can subscribe to Wild Nutrition Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And you can also find us on our website wildnutrition.com mm -hmm.